I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me. Yeah, people get to enjoy my terrible singing as I introduce, this is the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And I was singing Beyond the Sea because that's the title of today's episode and it ties right into the episode. It's Named that for a reason, and we'll get to that reason in a few minutes. But uh, this is the uh, 13th episode of the first season, and it's written by Glenn Morgan and James Wan, who, or James Wan, I keep saying James Wan. You always say James Wan. I know, it's Wong, and I always keep saying Wan, because James Wan, of course, being the Aquaman director. Uh, And this one is directed by David Nutter. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> and it originally aired January 7th, 1994. So, uh, good episode. We're in for uh we're in for an interesting one. I actually did exactly what I said I was going to do. Uh and I actually watched this one twice this morning. One time I just watched it so that I wasn't distracted by taking notes. And then I watched it a second time so that I could take my notes. So you nerd. I know. I'm such a total nerd about this. Uh, but it is a really good episode, and we'll get into a lot of the reasons why. So the uh, cold open, it is just after Christmas at Scully's house, and her parents are visiting, and her dad is like, come on, aren't you going to take down this Christmas tree? It's it, Christmas is over now. And Scully's like, nope, you always made us take down the Christmas tree right after Christmas. I'm going to make up for lost time and have a good time. And her dad's like, well, if you think that um, picking up dried pine needles is a good time, go right ahead. And, you know, they do father-daughter stuff and have a good time. And uh, finally, her dad's like, all right, we better get going. And so they're going to leave and... Um, this is the first time we find out that, uh, at least I'm pretty sure it's the first time, I don't think it came up before, that Scully calls her dad Ahab and he calls her Starbuck. Hey, this is the first time I've heard it. Okay. It, it comes up again. In fact, uh, later on she even has a dog named after a Moby Dick character as well. Uh, but it... it comes from the fact that her dad was a sailor and they let, you know, he read her Moby Dick as a kid and stuff. That all comes up later, but she calls him Ahab. He calls her Starbucks. She salutes him, uh, then gives him a hug. And Scully's mom kind of gives Scully's dad this look. And he like, is like, well, how's work? And she's like, good, good. And then her folks leave and it fades out and it fades in on a late night infomercial for spray on hair. Okay, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I distinctly remember, not just like with this, but especially for other shows around this time or mm-hmm. even later on and stuff. That was always the go-to like it was either just static with like or like 
sure. you know, static or it would be a late night infomercial about spray on hair. Yeah. It's well, always on, one of those two. The weird thing about spray on hair is it was a thing for a while. And actually, uh, the really famous magician, Johnny Thompson, who died uh, not too long ago, Johnny Thompson used spray on hair. If you ever want, you would never know to look at him, but he was almost completely bald. And by the time he sprayed his hair on, like, and did his hair up, you would never know he was almost, I saw a video of it once. It was one of the most fascinating things I ever watched. <laughs> so apparently spray on hair used correctly actually did work, which is a bizarre thing. But... Well, time for me to go bald so I can see it for myself. I went bald and I just decided to stay bald. I don't need no spray on hair. <clears throat> Anyways, you know what away. though? You know what? For the viewers, uh, we should we should do a YouTube page just you doing spray. On, we'll do like a live stream of you putting spray I, on hair. You know what? I'd be willing to do it if people would pay me money for it. Listen, Patreon. <laughs> We're gonna start another Patreon. It's just so we can get Matt to get we can get Matt to do spray on hair. God, a, now I got fortune. I'm gonna keep talking about the episode, but I'm gonna Google if they still even make spray on hair because now I'm curious. Oh, Anyways, they still do. Okay. Uh, I was going to say they must because that's how Johnny Thompson did his hair. Anyway, um, yep, here it is right here. And it's fairly cheap considering too. It's like 25 bucks a can for like the cheap one. And then I see one here for like 47 bucks. Anyway, no, we're going, the- we're going, we're going for, we're going for <laughs> professional grade high end. We're not going for the shit. Type how kind. Did, God, I, this one stupid little part of the episode. Now I'm thinking about spray on hair. What this is what I cling to. <laughs> So there's the late night infomercial for the spray on hair, which I'm glad I kept that in there. And Scully wakes up and her dad is sitting in her living room, like just moving his mouth like he's talking, but no words are coming out. It's pretty weird. And she's obviously like, dad, like, I thought you left. Like, what are you doing? Where's mom? You know, kind of like you would if you woke up in the middle of the night and your parents were just sitting there while you slept, moving their mouths like they were talking. Uh, And her phone rings and she turns towards the phone and she looks back towards her dad, but he's not there in the chair anymore. So maybe she was having a dream, except when she answers the phone, uh, her mom is there and she's crying. And it turns out Scully's dad just died of a heart attack. So there's our intro. Then we, of course, have the opening credits. Then we get out to uh, some kids at this university, and they're about to have some sex in a car. Yeah, old school style. I was going to say, this is also wicked old school style because I always heard about people having sex in cars, but I've never actually had sex in a car. I have. You have? Is yeah. it un- I I can only imagine it being uncomfortable. Well, it was in my Pathfinder at the time. Uh, oh, okay. Like like a, yeah, and it was fine, I guess. But I it's mean, like one of those things where it's like, it, it, like I kind of did that kind of deal. Went to like a school mm-hmm. uh, with 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 my girl. Yep. And and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is I mean, what they I imagine do. since they apparently had nowhere else to go. I assumed they were college kids because later on, I think they say they're 19. And I'm like, 
if they're college kids, don't they have like a dorm room? But I guess yeah. if it's just after Christmas break, maybe they can't get into their dorm room or something. Maybe they're kicked off campus for the school break or whatever. But, uh, of course, somebody knocks on the window and with the flashlight and you think it's the police officer. Like, what are you kids doing in there kind of deal? Except this officer is like, get out of the car. And the boy's like, oh, come on. We'll leave. We were just fooling around. We'll leave. He's like, get out of the car. So the boy gets out of the car. And this isn't a police officer at all. He's wearing jeans and police officers don't wear jeans. And this police officer, quote unquote, is like, let me see some ID. And the boy's like, let me see some of your ID. And so he gets hit across the face with a flashlight. And that's when we go to Mulder's office. And Mulder's looking at a case file and Scully comes in and... <laughs> I like this. She goes, last time I saw you that engrossed, you were reading the adult video news. <laughs> Mulder would love the AVA, the AVN convention in Las Vegas. Probably. Uh, so, like, in this proportion, it, like, I was a little confused because, like, she, like, for the most part, Scully looks pretty normal. Yeah. And I was just like, but her, but her dad just died like like right well that's the thing because um Mulder he's like Dana and he never calls her Dana so that's how you know he's pretty yeah. serious he always calls her Scully he's like Dana I, I didn't think you'd be here and she's like Dana like she can't believe he called her Dana and she's like what are you working on and he's like look I, I'm I'm working on this kidnap case but um you know, it's kind of like this kidnapping case that happened a year ago where, you know, the kids got kidnapped and then five days later they were found, like, murdered and stuff like that. They were kept alive for all these days and tortured. And so that sets the ticking clock for the episode, letting you know that they only have five days to find these missing kids before they die. But then they throw in a second ticking clock, which is unusual but they have the countdown to the execution of luther lee boggs who was a serial killer that Mulder helped put in jail but turns out luther lee boggs says he's psychic and knows some stuff about this case and this is where we get the big switcheroo of the episode where Mulder actually Mulder goes, I believe in psychics but I don't believe Boggs is psychic. I think he's orchestrating the whole thing from prison to try to save his own life. So Mulder turns into the skeptic of the episode, which is different. But it's uh, different, but I, like it, it's, it kind of makes sense in a way because mm -hmm. like he's all about extraterrestrial, uh, for the most part. Right, and well, and the other thing is like um, they brought it up in an earlier episode, but. Mulder, before he, like, really fell down the X-Files rabbit hole and really became spooky Mulder, quote-unquote, was actually a really good FBI agent. Like, he was good at his job and catching serial killers and stuff. And that's why uh, he does that whole thing where he's like, you know, some... Uh, some killers are a product of society. Some killers are, you know, products of abuse. Luther Lee Boggs just kills because he likes it. So, um... Anyway, uh, Mulder is like, I'm going to leave to go to the prison to to see him this afternoon. And Scully's like, I'll go with you. You know, my dad's funeral's at noon. I can go after. And Mulder's like, really? Like, 
don't you just want to sit this one out and take a break? Like, your dad just died. And Scully's like, no, no, I have to work, which actually will come up later in the series. Scully is a worker. When tragedy happens, she prefers to just work. Which answers your thing about her seeming pretty normal. Yeah. A uh, little Easter egg on the way uh, Mulder's leaving. You know, he says, I'm sorry about your dad. He has this whole moment. And then as he leaves, you actually see the hat that Max Fennig wore back in the episode Fallen Angels, his nightcap hat. Mulder still has it hanging in his office. You nerd! <laughs> I'm a nerd! I notice these things, okay? I do uh, too then, with, with some stuff. But like with X-Files, I'm just really trying to pay attention to I know. everything else. Uh, and then, uh, once Mulder is gone, Scully, like, goes over to his file cabinet and she pulls out an X-File on encounters with the dead. So, apparently she really believes she saw her dad just hanging out in her house right after he died. Um, then we go to Scully's dad's funeral. Uh, you know, his ashes are being scattered in the water and you can hear Beyond the Sea playing, which is where the episode comes from, obviously. And Scully's like, you know, he was a captain. He should have been buried in Arlington. And her mother is like, no, no, this is exactly what he wanted. Just family. And this is the song that was playing when your dad got back from the Cuban blockade. And he got right off the ship right after the Cuban Missile Crisis, walked right up to me and proposed. And that's when Scully's like, well, okay, look, um, I know you and dad were really disappointed in me that I went into the FBI instead of, you know, going into medicine. But I really need to know, was dad proud of me? Um, and this kind of will play into the rest of the episode. And her mother just says, he was your father. So I think the implication is, yeah, of course he was proud of her. So, But, oof, man, that is a, that was, it was just like, oh, man, it's, that was a hard one. It's just like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> like, she's just sitting there and she's like, I admit that I, she's like, look, I know I was a huge disappointment to you. It's like, ooh. And then we meet Luther Lee Boggs, who is guest star Brad Dorif. I have so much to say about this. <laughs> do you? All right. I do. No, it, it's it's just funny because uh, uh, it's, how do I say it? When, uh, well, he's Chucky. <laughs> well, he's Chucky. Yeah, he's Chucky from Child's Play. But and but I've seen him in many other things mm-hmm. and. He's just such a hilarious like character actor. Yep. That he go he takes a character and he just goes overboard with it. And Yeah, he throws himself into this because his whole first scene where we meet him is a bunch of mumbo jumbo about like all the you know Luther Lee Boggs's soul is in hell and we control him now and all this. And other he's like sh- crying. He's like crying. He cries a lot in this episode. Um, And Mulder is just like looking at him like you are so full of shit. (laughs) And eventually Luther Lee Boggs, you know, Boggs is like, look, uh, here's the point. I'll give you, I'll make a deal with you. You give me life in prison instead of the, uh, the death penalty. And I'll tell you where these kids are. And Mulder's like, fine, we'll do that if you can prove you're telling the truth. 
and he gets out a scrap of fabric and he gives this scrap of fabric to Luther Lee Boggs to like hold and get like visions from. And like you said, boy, does he throw himself into getting these visions. It is the funniest thing. He's like, oh, pain, lots of pain, torture. He's like whipping them with a, a wire coat hanger and condemned warehouse, angel made of stone, waterfall. No, not a waterfall. Falling water looks like falling. <laughs> so, it's so nutty. It's so nutty and I love it. But after he says all this stuff, which is all important <laughs> stuff, condemned warehouse, angel made of stone, waterfall that's not a waterfall, Mulder is like, I tore this uh, I tore this piece of fabric off my New York Knicks t-shirt. It doesn't have anything to do with the case. And he storms out. And uh, after Mulder storms out, Scully goes to follow him and Boggs starts singing Beyond the Sea, which of course gets Scully's attention because she just came from her dad's funeral where Beyond the Sea was playing. And she looks back at Boggs, but instead of seeing him, she sees her dad, which obviously makes her freak out. And Boggs says to her, did you get my message, Starbuck? Which is bizarre. And she like runs out basically. And she bumps into Mulder and she's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's, it's my dad. I'm having a hard time. He's like, fine. Like, just go back to the motel. Just relax. Like this guy's a fraud. You go get some rest. I'll stay here and do some more interrogating. And that's when they lead Luther back to his cell. And he's still singing beyond the sea, which um obviously then scully leaves and she's driving back to her motel and she stops at a light and while she stops at a light she sees this hotel called hotel niagara which is a big neon sign of falling water then once she notices that she notices it's across the street from a stone statue of an angel and All the time she's having these flashbacks to Luther having his visions. And that's when she realizes there's also a condemned building right there. So she goes into the condemned building and there's lit candles everywhere. And the only thing that's there is a bracelet and a wire coat hanger. Which of course Luther Lee Boggs was like, he's beating him with a coat hanger. So... uh, yeah, anywho, um, interesting side note, there is one thing I noticed in this episode, I didn't know if you noticed it, the first time we meet Luther Boggs, he has like a smudgy tattoo on his neck, and then later in the episode, it's he much didn't clearer. Ha- yeah, yeah, it was like, <laughs> like it was weirdly painted on the first time around. Uh-huh, Which, it's uh, almost like it rubbed off and then they didn't get, like, they didn't bother to put it back on or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, they liked it. Well, I also ate. think part of it is, I think part of it as well is, because that first time we see him, he is mm-hmm. just soaking wet. Like, yeah. he is very moist for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's well, very his, uncomfortable. His hair, is, They I read this in a note, they kind of purposefully modeled him to look kind of like uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Um, oh, okay. The serial killer, Richard Ramirez. So they kind of did him up. I think that's why he's so wet is like 
I think Ramirez did his hair a certain way or whatever. And I always find it hilarious that their versions of serial killers sometimes have like letter uh, like letters on their knuckles. <laughs> what did it say? Kiss, kill, Kiss, kill. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's more references to uh, real life serial killers in this episode. We'll get there. And it, also, one thing I should point out is as this episode goes on, it's very uh, reminiscent of Clarice and Hannibal. It, and I sound. was gonna say that. Like I was gonna say mm-hmm. it later on, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, this felt very Silence of the Lambs at certain points. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because this is really Scully's episode. Like, it was kind of written in a response to the idea that uh, Scully had always sort of done the same thing in every episode that had been written up to that point. And they were like, well, we got to give her something different to do and kind of explore more of who she is as a person and a little bit more of who Mulder is as a person, which is why we kind of see the agent Mulder was before he totally got swallowed by the X-Files. Yeah, which is really cool. I really enjoy that for for this episode, Mm -hmm. the kind of flip-flop. Yeah. Uh, So Scully's in her motel, and, you know, Mulder comes to see her. And he's kind of like, uh, yep, that I that bracelet you found, that was definitely uh, the one that belonged to the girl. Her family ID'd it. And Scully's like, uh, yeah, I lied about how I found that. Like, I didn't just see some specific or some suspicious activity. Like, I noticed all of the it was literally exactly how Boggs described it. And Mulder's like, are you kidding? He gets really mad, which... Is kind of understandable. He's like, you, you know, you could have been set up. Like, there could have been somebody there waiting to kill you. Like, what are you doing? Don't listen to him. He's dangerous. And Scully, he's like, why did you lie? How come you didn't just tell them? And she's like, well, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And he's like, you mean you didn't want to admit you believe and that, you know, they expect that from spooky Mulder, but not from Dana Scully. Ooh. And... and she's whoa and um she's like look i i thought you'd be happy like i've opened myself up to some extreme possibilities here and he's like believe extreme possibilities when you're a truth boggs is a liar yes (laughs) so it's like okay so do you not understand what you're saying to her Mulder? (laughs) Like she says the exact same thing to you all the time and she's constantly wrong but this is the one time because I, I think because of because he helped put Boggs away the first time around, mm-hmm. and like the whole it's, I think it's this like it's definitely hypocritical of him. Sure. Uh, well, and we also kind of kind of jumped over the part uh, in the beginning where he also points out that Boggs was almost executed before. And got granted, like, a stay so that he could, like, have more appeals or something. Yeah. And he claimed that the first time he was executed, he was almost executed is, like, what gave him his powers. And Mulder's like, okay, I think he's just afraid of dying. (laughs) So, like, I kind of see his point, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I see what's happening here. You don't want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, So... Anyway, um, they go back to the prison and Mulder is like, 
got this grand plan where he's going to get Boggs to confess to working with somebody on the outside by basically implicating himself. So he gives him a fake newspaper that says that the, the students were found so that when he gets his phone privileges, Mulder assumes he'll call the person, you know, his accomplice and be like, what the fuck? How did you mess this up? But instead, Boggs gets to the phone and calls Mulder and says, you don't believe me. Why don't you believe me? Scully believes me. And this is when Scully convinces Mulder, look, fine. Maybe he's lying. Maybe he's playing a game, but we don't have a lot of time. Like, if he's playing a game, then let's just play along with him. Otherwise, we'll never save these kids. So uh, Mulder obviously agrees and they get Boggs to, quote unquote, have another vision. Only <laughs> now it's really starting to seem like he's having some visions because, you know, he describes the killer. And there's some interesting editing here cutting between uh, Brad Dorif and the actor playing the killer where like the actor playing the killer swings the um an axe oh no no the, the no the, the wire, wire hanger. hanger yeah and brad dorif acts like he got hit with it yeah, no <laughs> um and so he, he goes through all his stuff and finally he goes you know they're in this boathouse out by the lake and they're leaving and bog says Mulder, don't go near the white cross i i see you down and your blood spills on the white cross and Mulder kind of rolls his eyes and leaves and course they go to this boathouse and uh he's there the killer's there or the kidnapper killer whatever and he leaves and leaves the girl there but takes the boy with him and so Mulder kind of runs out to uh try and find this boy and the killer before they get away and he sees a boat with a tarp over it and there's somebody behind this tarp and Mulder yells for whatever reason federal agent like that's gonna help him and yeah. he gets shot yeah. oh no he said federal agent i have to stop <laughs> you know that's kind of the thing it's like you gave yourself away you like opened yourself to being shot that's the well that's the thing i've always hated in a lot of these tv shows when they do that stuff mm-hmm. especially during this time frame where they always have to yell federal agent stop oh yeah okay mm-hmm. it's a federal agent i gotta but it never works (laughs) so scully comes because you know obviously Mulder's shot and she notices lo and behold where Mulder fell there was a white cross looking thing uh some sort of beams that were crossed and Mulder's blood was all over the white cross just like Boggs said it would be and kind of like a scene in the OR where Scully's very upset that Mulder might die. And then uh, a scene of an agent showing the girl they rescued a bunch of mug shots. And finally she identifies one. And this guy's name is Lucas Jackson Henry, who 
did some time for sexual assault and narcotics, but you never know, like nothing mine, nothing major. As the yeah, I know. It seemed to me like sexual assault is pretty major. Yeah, I was, yeah. There's like nothing major, just some sexual assault and drugs. I'm like, um, do you want to back that up a little bit? <laughs> right, and that was so. Yeah, and then, uh, then it gets even dumb. Like this scene, I'm like, okay. Because he's like, oh yeah, and by the way, his personal history is he witnessed an auto accident in which his high school sweetheart was killed and his mother was decapitated. And the seven-year anniversary is in three days. And Scully's like, he's reliving it. And I'm like, what does anything he's doing have to do with reliving a car accident? It makes no sense. No, it doesn't make... But he's the killer guy. Um, And it turns out... There's also a lot of suspicion that Boggs committed his last five murders with a partner. And while they couldn't prove it in court, uh, the police seemed to think it was this guy, Lucas Henry. And uh, by the way, the names Luther Lee Boggs and Luther Henry or Lucas Henry both come from the name of real life, uh, real life serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas. All right. Luther Lee Boggs, three names, like Henry Lee Lucas, and the Lee, obviously, is the same middle name. And then Lucas Henry, obviously, Henry Lucas. Yeah. Um, Interesting story. I mean, morbid. As interesting as a case about a serial killer can be, but there is a documentary right now on Netflix about Henry Lee Lucas called uh, The Confession Killer, if anybody wants to know more about it. Oh, that's what that's about. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. If anybody wants to know more about Henry Lee Lucas. Also, they did a multi-part episode on Henry Lee Lucas on uh, last podcast on the left. Um, So, Scully, some great acting here by uh, Gillian Anderson, goes to see Boggs and basically just starts screaming at him about how uh, if, you know, he set Mulder up and if Mulder dies, she'll make sure that Boggs, she'll be there to, like, execute Boggs herself and... um, then she starts having kind of like another breakdown and she like sees Mulder's face on Boggs's body. And he's like, Dana, you're the one who believed me. And she's like, nope, nope, nope. Not listening to you. Don't believe you. And he's like, well, maybe you'll believe yourself. And he starts telling this story that clearly happened to Scully when she was a kid about a 14 year old waiting till her parents were asleep uh, uh, wait, you know, uh, going stealing to, a cigarette. Yep, stealing some cigarettes, going out onto the porch, and he's like, "It's it's awesome, you know. It's, it's, cigarettes gross, but this is awesome because I'm not supposed to be doing it." And again, and Sco- Brad Dorf's acting in this is just <laughs> it's ridiculous. His little hair pulling thing <laughs> he was doing, yeah, made me so like. I laughed, but it was also, like, really uncomfortable, <laughs> like, at the same time. I'm like, this is bizarre. And Scully's like, oh, uh, uh, that, that could be the story of any kid, but you know that she doesn't mean it. You know that that really happened to her. And um, Boggs is like, fine. Well, I know what you really want. You want to talk to your, you know, I know who you really want to talk to. And Scully's like, Ugh. Fine, I'll believe you if you really let me talk to my dad. And so he starts to do his channeling thing again. This is another piece of fun acting. Yeah. Because then he does Starbuck, and then he does the whole... 
<laughs> like he's in pain or something yeah. or needs to take a giant shit. I don't know which. Uh, and he says, no, no, I, no, nobody gets to talk to anybody until I get a deal. Don't, under, don't underestimate my fear of dying and don't, uh, don't downplay my terror of going back to the chair. <laughs> so, oh man. Then he describes his whole time about the last time he went to the execution chamber and says, like, the ghosts of his family were watching him eat his last meal and watching him walk down to the chamber. And um, also, he apparently killed all five members of his family over Thanksgiving dinner by strangling them. I don't know how you strangle five people in a row without yeah. some of them getting away. <laughs> it takes a long time to strangle someone. Yeah, I'm not too sure how that works. Yeah. Uh and anyway, basically his whole point is like I, right before they executed me, I got possessed by all these spirits and now I have psychic powers. And Scully's like, no, you know what? I, I don't believe you actually. And he's like, well, doesn't matter if you believe me because whether it's real or if I'm faking it, I'm not going to tell you where those kids are unless I get a deal. So if I go to the chair... That kid dies. And so Scully tries to get the deal, but can't. And then she goes to see Mulder in the hospital. And she's like, look, I'm running out of time. I don't know what else to do. And Mulder just keeps do say, doing his thing, being like, don't believe him. He made the whole thing up. Like, if he can't get me, he'll try and kill you because he knows you're my partner. And that'll be the next best thing. So... Yeah, Scully goes back to the prison and says, um, look, you got your deal. Now tell me where that kid is. And Boggs does his whole dumb channeling thing But here's again. the funny thing about this particular one. Like, What's all, that? All the other ones, he goes like so over the top mm -hmm. uh, with this. But this one, you like, like you could tell he was bullshitting it even before they said it. Just mm -hmm. because he wasn't so fully into it. Right, he's like, barrels, something, something. Old Blue Devil Brewery. And Scully's like, ah, Luther, if you were really psychic, and he goes, I'd have known you lied, that there never was a deal, but I know you tried. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Um, so as she's leaving, Boggs says, don't follow him to the devil. And whatever that means, we're going to find out. So we see a little bit of this Lucas Henry guy. He's freaking out. He's swinging a hatchet around. Uh, he's about to cut this guy's head off with this hatchet. And the FBI barges in and Scully's there. And she shoots him, but only in the arm. And he turns and runs away. And Scully and some agents run after him. And he's about to run across like this old wooden catwalk. Uh, and she notices this big blue devil painted on the wall on the other side of the catwalk. And she stops and Henry breaks through the catwalk and falls to his death. So she didn't follow him to the devil, just like Boggs told her not to. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and she goes back to the prison. And she's like, well, I believe you now because if Lucas Henry really was your partner... 
he would have known the same thing that you told me and he wouldn't have died. So now let me talk to my dad. And he's like, nope, if you want to talk to your dad, come to my execution tonight and I'll tell you right before I die. And uh, so we see a repeat of some stuff from earlier where he sees his family watching him while he eats his last meal and then watching him as he walks down the hall to the execution chamber But when he gets to the execution chamber, the witness window opens up and there's only a priest and a couple other people there, but not Scully. And they mix the lethal gas and Boggs gets executed. And the final scene of the episode is Scully, who now is apparently switched back to being a skeptic because she says, you know, I was thinking about Boggs and... Like, if he knew that I was your partner, he could have found out all that stuff he said about me. Like, you know, all that stuff probably could have been pretty public knowledge. And Mulder is apparently back to being who he is because he goes, wait a minute. After all of the evidence, like, now you say you don't believe him? And she's like, no, because I'm too afraid. Uh... I'm too afraid to believe. And Mulder's like, you couldn't face that fear and go see him, even if it meant never knowing what your father wanted to tell you. And this is the gut punch because Scully goes, well, I know I already know. And Mulder says, how? And Scully just says, he was my father. And Mulder puts his hand on her shoulder. And that's the end of the episode. Uh. I know, right? (laughs) Like, the way that that episode ended is just like, oh, God. Because <laughs> feels... in the end, she knows, like, even though she became an FBI agent, she knows that her dad loved her and was proud of her. In his own way. In his own way. Yeah. And that was Beyond the Sea. Yeah. yeah. Final thoughts? Um, I, I really like this episode a lot. Like you said, like, it's very... Yeah, definitely felt like Silence of the Lambs at points. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Dorf, I just enjoy even for his like hilarious, uh, <laughs> over the top acting as always. Mm-hmm. Um, I give this personally a, a, a like a run an A. All right. Uh, yeah, I also really love this one. Like I said, I watched it twice today uh once because i didn't want to be distracted by taking notes to talk about it um because i think it's one of the best like it's i would say probably there's been a couple really good episodes before this but i would say this is the first really excellent one like it it dives into some things that Scully will have to deal with for the rest of the series involving her, you know, uh, relationship to her father uh, and her, you know, her mother will be back at some point. Cause and, and also just like now that we had the flip of be having Scully being the skeptic, mm-hmm. uh, be, the believer and Mulder being the skeptic. Yeah. Uh, maybe that doesn't, doesn't happen like a lot. Yeah, and that won't happen like a lot necessarily, but it, it and it didn't quite come up in this episode, but it'll happen more because uh, we do find out a little bit about Dana being Catholic and what that 
does for her ability to believe and not believe in different things. Um, this one sort of dealt with it because obviously if she's Catholic, she believes in life after death. And so maybe she believes she can talk to her dead dad, but I'm not sure like if that's really, but yeah. So I don't know for me, this one's a total a plus, uh, like you said, with uh Mulder being on the other side where you kind of get to see a little bit of him as like an actually really good FBI. Not that he's not a good FBI agent for doing the, x-files stuff but being a good uh fbi agent for all the other stuff he's supposed to do as well yeah so a plus uh next week episode 14 i'm gonna tell you right now you and all our listeners is weird it's not yes it's not bad exactly it's just really weird and to give you an idea of how weird it is the title is gender bender Oh, I'm already <laughs> stoked. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Like I said, it's not like it's bad, but it's also not wonderful, but it has a very weird concept going on. In love it. it. So, already yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, so everybody has that to look forward. That's everybody's uh, homework is Season 1, Episode 14, Gender Bender. Until then, we'll, uh, we'll be back then, and... Bye, everybody. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.